0: Welcome to exclusive coverage of the Miami Book Fair International. For more information, log on to miamibookfair.com. Well, it's that time of year. Yes, it's the Miami Book Fair. We do this each and every year, and it's a highlight. I know of my year. I hope it is of yours as well. You know, you can meet and hear your favorite authors and learn all about the latest books at the book fair. This is the first hybrid fair uh, that the Miami Book Fair is ever has ever put on. Uh, so you can be downtown in Miami. You can also be online at miamibookfaironline.com. But you're going to want to make sure it's between November 14th and 21st. There's also a street fair November 19th through 21st, which I imagine you probably want to do in person. That's probably not online. And um, authors will also be streamed on demand in several languages. Well, one of the premier authors featured at the book fair on Saturday, November 20th, is Judy Battalion. She is the author of The Light of Days: The Untold Story of Women Resistance Fighters in Hitler's Gap. It's already a New York Times international bestseller. noted I say international and the winner of several additional awards and has already been optioned by Steven Spielberg for a major motion picture. Boy, that's a setup. Congratulations, Judy, on the book.
1: Oh, thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me here today.
0: Uh, Thrilled to have you. My goodness. Um, I can't even imagine the amount of work that you put into this book. But before we get into all of that um, in reading up about you, I saw that you're the granddaughter of Polish Holocaust survivors. And I have to imagine this was a deeply personal book for you.
1: I am a very anxious person. And it was the first time in my life that I began to wonder whether this anxiety came from my family background, um, I, I, it was a time in my life where everything felt very dangerous to me, and I, I began to question how much my Holocaust heritage had shaped how I, how I perceived, how I reacted to everyday threats. And I, I decided to explore this through writing. Um, I was actually doing a lot of performing at the time. And I, I want to try to quite a personal performance piece about this this issue of danger and and, and about Jewish women confronting danger. And it, sorry, now should I go on? Do, should I tell yes. the whole story? Well, <laughs> I have to I, I
0: have to tell you, I find this kismet, right? I mean you you discovered these women accidentally it sounds like i mean you were doing this research as you said right around this performance piece that you wanted to do and you was it a book you found i think or something that you found and you started reading about these women and you're like what? I've never heard of these women. Am I right?
1: <laughs> exactly right. Um, I right. So I set out to write something very personal and psychological, and I ended up doing some research at the British Library where I was living in London then. And I, I by accident I came across a book, and it was an unusual object. It was an old book with yellowing pages and a sort of fabric blue cover with gold embossed writing, and it was in Yiddish. It was called Freuden in the Ghettos, Women in the Ghettos. But I always say even more unusual than the book is the fact that I speak Yiddish. So right. I I out of curiosity, I just started flipping through this, this, you know, it was about 180 pages, this book. And I I I I was taken aback. This this was a book. About by and about young Jewish women who fought the Nazis and, and primarily from the ghettos in Poland with photos of them and bits of obituaries and articles and excerpts. And I, I didn't even know what it was. I, I I thought my I mean, I was living in London, I didn't use my Yiddish very often. I, I was wondering if I was reading it wrong. Was I wrong? This these stories were about young Jewish women who jumped off trains who blew up trains and i had never ever come across anything like
0: this i know that's crazy to me like why did we not know about these women before what what why do you think yeah
1: that's a great question that actually you know was a kind of sub question to my whole all my research on the one hand what happened what's the story and on the other hand, what happened to this story? How did we not? How did I not know this from a family of Holocaust? Or I didn't have a PhD in women's history. I mean, how could I not know anything about this? Um, and at one point, I, I called my editor and I, I said, Rachel, I think this needs to be the whole book. Um, she, she didn't let me do that. But I do have a section towards the end of the book where I explore this in, in much more detail. Um, and to answer you very briefly, I can say there are many reasons. Some of them are political um, and that politics have shaped how the Holocaust story has been told. Politics have shaped the narrative of the Holocaust in different ways, in different countries. Some of it is zeitgeist, that we've been interested in different elements of World War II at different times and uncomfortable talking about different elements of World War II at different times. Um, And then a lot of it is personal. And it comes down to the fact that women didn't tell their story or they told their story. And then they stopped. They weren't believed. They were accused of collaborating with the Nazis. They were accused of sleeping their way to safety. They were accused of fleeing their families to join an underground and fight. They, they suffered from terrible survivor's guilt, those who survived. Um, you know. Uh, They felt that one of them writes about, you know, she had an incredible story where she was part of a courier ring in Bialystok of, you know, uh, over a dozen Jewish women who were transporting weapons from anti-Nazi Germans to the Russians in the fourth and doing intelligence missions for the Red Army. And yet she felt that compared to her survivor peers who had been through Auschwitz, she she, she had, she'd had it easy. She didn't merit telling her story. So for those reasons, also, also I should say these, these were women, they were very young when the war was over. And for many of them, it was very important to start fresh. They lost everything. They were refugees in new countries where they often didn't speak the language and no family, but the whole world they knew didn't exist anymore. And, and it was very important for them to start fresh and to to have children, to repopulate the Jewish people and to raise them in an in environment that was happy and normal. And they, you know, one of them said, we didn't want to be professional survivors. Um,
0: yeah. And they could have become caricatures, right? Of themselves easily. But um, I'm curious, can you give us a sense of how many of these girls from the ghettos there were? That were resistance fighters. Are you able to kind of figure that out through your research?
1: It's a really good question. And, you know, when you're dealing with underground operations that had had no, you know, there were no no archives. I, I mean, they actually did create archives, and there's some information comes from some of these archives. But, you know, the, these, it was, you know, very covert and and wildly dangerous. But the I I found hundreds of names of women who were involved. This is in Poland alone. Um, And I think, but I think it's probably in the thousands. And, you know, since my book came out uh, almost six months ago, seven months ago, I I get emails all the time from people saying, you know, did you hear the story about a woman in Warsaw? She was in the underground. She was blown up. That was my aunt. No, I never heard that story. Did you hear about Nbiala my This woman, Did that was my great grandma. No, I never heard that story. So the stories keep crawling out of the woodwork.
0: That's the so. beauty. It's a book that truly keeps on giving for a lot of people. No wonder it's won so many awards. So you talked about some of these really, I mean, high risk, dangerous activities these women were involved in. Blowing up trains, uh, you know, um, going across enemy lines, things like that. All in all, I mean, how did their efforts impact the campaign, the Nazi campaign, would you say?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And I, I would say, first of all, I'd say the, these groups did not set out to topple the Nazis. Right. You know, they used to joke that their whole weapons cache fit in a bicycle basket. They they didn't have uh, delusions of grandeur here. They, they knew that they were, I mean, world armies couldn't defeat the right. Nazis. Some groups of, you know, underground youth knew they were not going to, you know, change the course of the entire war. Having said that, um, you know some of their efforts were certainly disruptive to Nazi campaigns. The Warsaw Ghetto uprising, sort of, you know, was supposed to, it was supposed to be a sort of one day clearing of the ghetto, and this went on for six weeks um, because of the the revolt stalled the the. Murder campaign. Um, you know, some of these women, as I said, they they blew up supply trains. These these were small acts, but that were disruptive. One story of Vika Kempner um, was living in the forest at the time, and she you know smuggled a bomb out, and she she helped she blew up the electric supply for the city of Vilna. And so, yes, this didn't stop the war, but these were destructive acts and acts of sabotage that did. Um, disrupt Nazi activity.
0: So there were some, clearly some some women that emerged from your research, some that stood out among others. Can you share a few of these women with us? I know I don't want you to go into t- too much detail because that's what the book's for, but there were, I know there was one in particular that kind of rose rose up.
1: Hey. I know, you can't, you you can't have a favorite smile.
0: (laughs) I didn't say favorite, just, you know, maybe one or two that are, that emulate kind of the effort that was at hand.
1: I I mean, I can talk about the woman who became a central character in the book whose name is Renia Kukielka. Renia, so Renia became, uh, she was 15 when the war started. Um, She, her, her family was imprisoned in the ghetto um, she escaped alone. She she looked good. She could pass as a Christian. So she tried to, to live on the Aryan side as a, as a Catholic. Um she got a she fleeing through forests. She got a job working at a German household as a housemaid and would, you know, anxiously go to church with them every Sunday and and you know copy every movement, every January flat she didn't know. Um she Missed her sister though, she really missed her family and she managed to contact them and her sister was part of the underground and her sister found a smuggler to bring her over to this town of Bijin in Southwest Poland. And Bijin was trying to stage their own uprising and they needed equipment, they needed weapons, they needed information from the headquarters in Warsaw. And uh, all the couriers had been killed. And they were getting no information. They needed someone to go, so they asked Renya if she would do it, and she said, "Yes, of course I'll go." And so for six months, she was their main courier between Warsaw and Beijing. She transported fake papers, money, information, um, uh, weapons. It was the courier girls was the sort of generic name. They they. Um, they were often the ones to arm the ghetto undergrounds. They met with weapons dealers. They met with um, members of the Polish underground. They collected guns and and grenades and explosives and ammunition and taped them to their torso or hid them in marmalade jars, teddy bears, fashionable handbags, and brought them back on trains and and, and slipped back into the ghetto. Um, She also helped rescue some people. Um, she helped take people. Many of these girl girls did this. They helped take Jews out of ghettos and find them hiding spots in the cities, and then and then take care of them in the hiding spots. Bring them medical help. Bring them money. Pay off the hiders. Um, visit them. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's such a high risk to their own lives, you know, how many of them survived? I mean, again, you probably don't have hard numbers, but, you know, what, what are you able to guess on that?
1: Uh, I mean, I don't have hard numbers at all. And I I think that the, you know, I write, I I think that 10% of the Jews of Poland survived. And it's probably a similar number here, probably Mm -hmm. 10%. Uh, Mm percent
0: Very too small of a number, obviously. Um, what are you able to track any of them post-war? You know, you talked before about they found themselves in countries, new countries, with new lives, no family, starting from scratch, wanting to kind of put this part of their lives behind them uh, for the sake of a future. You know, where did some of these women end up, and what did they end up doing?
1: That's a great question. The, um, the whole last, the book is in four parts and the last part is all after the war. Um, And this was, I I really wanted to understand this. What were, did any of these fighters live and what became of them? How have they survived? Not just survived the war, but continued to survive. Um, And of course the answer is it's different for everyone. Some of them as I said really put the past behind them and went on to create completely new lives and, and others had more trouble putting the past behind them and, and you know one woman who was very involved in the underground was a leader um, ended up killing herself years after the war because the, the weight of the trauma was simply too too much.
0: People have read this book and clearly it struck a chord in many ways. You said that you receive what emails, letters almost daily. Um, it's the book itself has been so well received. What do you hope? I mean, when you wrote it, what were you hoping would come of it? What was the goal of the book?
1: Hmm, tough one. The goal <laughs> of the book, I, I mean, that, that, that changes for me through, at different times in the process and continues to change, I think, as I understand its reception a bit more. I mean, on, on an intellectual level, it, w- it was very important for me to rectify my own misperception of this myth of passivity of the Jews in the Holocaust. I, too, had imbibed that idea. That's why, when I saw that Yiddish book, I was blown away because my own understanding was generally a story that it was a story of passivity. I simply had no idea that the underground was so large and organized and that acts of resistance and rebellion occurred in ghettos and concentration camps and labor camps and death camps and that over 90 European ghettos had armed Jewish underground units. I, I, 30,000 Jews joined forest partisan troops. I, I had no idea of these numbers, of the scope of Jewish resistance. And of course there's everyday resilience as well, uh, you know, making art and 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 finding food and hiding and running and friendship and 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 you know, telling jokes even to help relieve fear. I now look back at the story of the Holocaust in Poland of the Jews of, of one of constant, Struggle, constant activity, and defiance—they um, were just up against a, a sadistic, brutal military force who who killed them. Um, but it's not because they were passive. So I think part of the book is is the purpose of it is to help us all think, think, rethink that myth of passivity. Um, and, and then, of course, I hope this story inspires. I mean, these women had nothing they they had no family they were starving they were thirsty they write so much about how thirsty they were it's it's very moving and, and difficult to read and yet they went out there day in and day out and risked their lives in the fight for justice in the fight for liberty and they they you know their acts, their small acts, mattered. They mattered to them. They mattered to the people they rescued, and I, I think they matter to us generations later. So,
0: yes, and I I think about you know the world we live in today, right? And you know some of the cues we could take from those brave young women in you know rising up against injustices and and not being passive, right? So. You know, do you have a sense at all about how their stories can motivate and inspire us today f- to to the same acts of um, not not being willing to take what's happening in our world and to try to do something about it?
1: I mean, I think what's important is that these young women took responsibility. They weren't waiting for they've talked they weren't waiting for the adults to do they said we're gonna do this no one is helping no one is helping us uh, from anywhere we're gonna do this ourselves and they had the confidence and the capability to analyze to plot to act to make decisions and they they were they were they were organized these were very organized groups with strong leadership structures with a lot of attention paid to how to collaborate how to work together and that
0: that enabled them to get a lot done Mm -hmm. so now this could become a movie right and for those people who aren't readers (laughs) Shame on them. But for those people who aren't readers, it would be another form to, to uh, learn about these brave women. Are you excited by the prospect that that this book could come to life on the screen?
1: I mean, I, I'm, I'm so excited. I can't think about it. You know, I, it's like, who knows? But I mean, it's such a dramatic story. It's so filmic. I, you know, even when I was reading their their, their, Memoirs. I was like these scenes, you know, write themselves. There, it's so yes. filmic, it's so dramatic. I, I think it would be really very
0: inspiring to see on screen. Yes, I agree. I totally agree. So I know this book is everywhere, right? Where uh, any bookstore near a listener today, I'm sure they can pick it up.
1: I mean, it's available uh, online and in in I hope most local bookstores and I always say to support your independent bookstores if you if you are able.
0: Yes, agreed. Well, thank you so much, Judy, for being on to share this amazing story of the girls from the ghetto who uh, through acts of insurrection, um, you know, really caused enough disturbances, hopefully, to um, help with the war right in their own small way but their their stories of heroism is is just simply amazing and i hope more people now are aware of them through your book thank you so much
1: thank you so much for having me
0: yes and a reminder to everyone that you can meet judy in person on saturday november 20th at the miami book fair And as for the time, make sure you go online to MiamiBookFairOnline.com, confirm the time. But you're definitely going to want to read this book again, um, The Light of Days, The Untold Story of Women Resistance Fighters in Hitler's Ghettos. Have a great day.